0: Welcome to A Couch Divided, where secular psychology meets a Christian worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. Okay, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Prepare to be couched.
0: Everybody, this is Nick Thomas, I'm with Dr. Robin Hall. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you since the last episode? Excellent. <laughs> um, excellent. Since excellent. the last episode. <laughs> you look the same. Because I'm... we're recording these back to back. Yes,
1: right. So, unless I had done some crazy metamorphosis in the last two seconds. <laughs> I would look the same. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're continuing with our uh, um, self-identity podcast, which is... uh, Our series, Much Ado About Self. Much Ado About Self, and I like that. uh,
1: You'll find that we really enjoy puns here at A Couch Divided.
0: Puns and esoteric S uh, (laughs) uh, titles. Campy. We're campy. So if you're confused about what this is pointing to, start to get into our personality. Let's develop a relationship with each other. (laughs) Yeah, so we ripped off Shakespeare and um, Much Ado About Self, so... Everybody rips off Shakespeare. Nowadays. Yeah, anyway. right. If you've made it anywhere, you've ripped off Shakespeare. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode, part two of Much Ado About Self. Thanks. I'm too insecure for that. We'll Your, ide-
1: o- Your identity is in Christ, Nick. Well,
0: we'll talk about that later <laughs> on, off camera or off... Uh, off audio here
1: uh, yes we don't have any cameras yeah, we yet. don't have
0: any cameras yet no but with your help <laughs> and your support yeah whatever we're already asking for money uh second podcast in so if you'd like to donate to our cause yeah and give us a camera <laughs> that'd be great
1: so you can see our beautiful faces while yeah. we talk about these fascinating
0: topics and then maybe you will regret giving us money after that
1: <laughs> we didn't warn you yeah. <laughs> um All right. Well, everybody, welcome back. Um, We're so glad to be having the second part of this discussion with you all about um, the self. Much Ado About Self, part two. Much Ado. Uh, Much Ado About Self. (laughs) I really like that play, though, on the the Shakespeare. Yeah. The title of Shakespeare. That's clever. I thought so. You thought of it.
0: I mean, I'm clever. There you go.
1: Yeah. some Sometimes, anyway. Oh, yeah? You're, you're on, a little on, clever there? On occasion. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> um, all right. So yesterday we covered a lot. Um, we talked about um, the current culture's view of self, lots of different concepts that fall within self, and then we talked about the contrast that that has with the biblical view of self. So... Today, what we're going to focus on a little bit more is the historical narrative that informed those concepts that we see in modern culture, um, and we're going to talk about the two biggies. Um, and uh, Nick, Nick prepared some information about some of the philosophers in our. Historical past. Um, oh, is that like a double negative historical past?
0: Well, I don't know because the Bible's more historical than, <laughs> than these guys. So it's actually fairly modern, but when we talk about psychology and the mainstream analysis that it is today, It is historical, and it's rooted in late 1800s, early 1900s. Sure. Uh, And, yeah, uh, like the two big, right, as Freud and Jung. Adler came after that. We we won't talk so much about him, but he had a lot to do with the development and uh, um, uh, psychoanalytics. Uh, But Jung really hit uh, the nail uh, on the head as far as the uh, modern psychologist thinking um, as far as uh, well we'll talk about that but archetypes right um, and uh, the unconscious and the collective unconscious uh, and uh, the ego uh, a lot of well. a
1: lot of concepts that you, probably your everyday American or you know Westerner draws on without even realizing it just because they've been so inundated with it through media right through they even, school
0: they don't even think about it anymore it's right. actually well, a, or a they way. have
1: no idea what the origin actually is yeah, so right.
0: um, and what you know, and it's proper to put these guys in their context because in a lot like a uh, Let's just say in 2020, the way we use the term ego, even Freud had really no idea that it would turn into that in the way, you know, like your ego's inflated. Right. I mean, we, he wouldn't even actually put it in that iconic. Kind of, kind of, you can't inflate your ego. There's only, well, you have problems with your id, but we'll talk about that. Right. We're going to talk yeah. about that a little more. So
1: yeah, they've definitely, to use a secular secular word, evolved um, since Freud originally coined the terms the terminology that we're going to talk about today um and you can you can see that evolution occur across history which it's really interesting um to to come to the meaning that we understand in modern culture now mm-hmm. um disclaimer this is it's pretty hunky hefty you know dense psychological theory um a lot of the stuff that both freud and young talked about um might seem a little bit foreign and you know that's good but we want to 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 discuss it and then explain how it's come to inform our current view of self and then once we talk about that we want we really want to give everybody some practical application to um, how how to apply what God says about self and how we're supposed to view ourselves and our identity in Christ so that is our hope for this episode yes
0: and and so uh, Just to reiterate and just to feed off of what we've said uh, in the first episode is that we concentrated on the image of God and as a Christian you really have to understand that metaphysical nature and being is that you're made in the likeness of God but since then. A lot of people have acknowledged what mental health is, behavioral health is, actions. We understand biology. Uh, As science grows, we understand what makes you tick and what areas in your brain are going to light up when you do, Mm -hmm. uh, or or things like that, right? And because of that, people try to answer the always like the, you know, the, the, The big question, right? Who are we and what are we doing here kind of thing? What's our purpose? Through the empirical evidences that we see, and psychology is a major player uh, in that. That being said, because it's rooted in sinful men who reject the image of God because subsequently they reject their creator, always try to find the answers in either biology. And Freud's uh, instance is psychoanalytics, which was his scripture to the biological meaning. Uh, he didn't really seek meaning in being a biological entity. He saw um, he sought uh, psychoanalytics as being uh, uh, the meaning of, of being a biological entity. So.
1: Right. So he I mean um, Freud was definitely um, an evolutionist. Um, he very much touted um, Darwinianism, not as a theory, but as a fact, Darwinian yeah. evolution. Um, so that, is, that really informed his foundation for the psychoanalytic theory, which is the theory that he developed. Um, so there are close to 500, if not, you know, if not right at 500 or a little bit more, nuanced psychotherapeutic schools of thought. Yeah. There are a lot of them. 98% of them are informed by psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Freud is really considered the father of modern, I mean, even, you know, pre-modern um, psychology and psychiatry. And so we think it's really important to discuss what he said about self. Um, and he, it, he,
0: By the way, he would call everybody a heretic the yeah. way they're doing it now. He sure. called young a heretic, but but we'll get into that.
1: Uh. <laughs> Yeah, they they had a little boy fight yeah. um, So and, you know, actually ended up splitting psychoanalysis or psychoanalytics into two uh, relatively distinct uh, schools of thought. So, so
0: it's funny to see uh, two people manifest their own doctrine and insecurities at each other by talking about the very thing that they're studying.
1: <laughs> whose ego is bigger? There's, yeah, there's an there's like a, an entendre there somewhere. <laughs> um. Anyway. So um, we want to dive right into it. Freud. Um, Freud is the father of psychoanalysis. Most of you guys are probably familiar with that term, um, or at least have heard it if you don't know what it means. So psychoanalytic theory argues that human behavior is the result of interactions among three separate components of the mind. So these are these uh, separate components you guys have probably heard of, the id, ego, and superego so we're gonna give you just a very cursory overview of what those things are Oh, part of the disclaimer i wanted to give and then completely forgot we plan in the future on doing very in-depth like series specifically on Freud. Then on Jung, Adler, um, like Nick the Image Bearer mentioned, we're going to do lots of very detailed discussion about these individuals personally. Um, In the future, that's not what the discussion is today. We're going to give you an overview of what Jung and Freud both said the self was, um, how that kind of collectively impacts or informs our current understanding of self as a culture and then we're going to remind you what god says about self and how to to move through that in a practical you know application kind of way so um, all right so back to id ego and superego so uh, again freud said that the personality is comprised of three separate components id ego and superego the id is the most prim- primitive part of that personality it's concerned with instant gratification. I want what I want when I want it now. Right. Think of it like a screaming toddler. Yeah. Okay, that's essentially what the, the id is.
0: And that's really all they can do, right? Because they can't communicate in words, and so they got to scream. Right. Yeah.
1: The id is primary, primarily concerned with physical needs and urges, um, and it operates entirely unconsciously. So, Nick, how would you describe the unconscious?
0: Well, I mean, the unconscious, I mean, we have Jung's collective unconscious, and then we have Freud's unconscious. It's really the things behind, and this is the whole reason why this is, uh, the podcast is named Couch, right? So you'd lay on the couch, and then the uh, the counselor would sit behind you okay. smoking a cigarette. And Freud was probably doing cocaine yes, at that time. Yes, he so certainly the, was. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to speak to the behind your mind, but he's doing lines, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why he didn't want you to see him. Um,
1: <laughs> actually, it was totally celebrated. Yeah, I know, right, right, they <laughs> You wouldn't have had to hide it. They,
0: they put cocaine in everything. Back <laughs> they then. did. Um, but uh, but it, it's really the, the unconscious mind is the thoughts and the primitive uh, realities that you have that you are not aware of. Correct. Um, but you're still having them. And there's a small truth to that. There's thoughts that are going through your mind that you don't know. Uh, maybe you've experienced this while waking up, all of a sudden you have a train of thought and you don't know why you have that train of thought. There's a lot of things going off in fire green in your mind. The, the whole concept of having even a storage mechanism in your mind uh, lets somebody know that you do have things harbored in there that you're not aware of or that you'll bring up later on.
1: Right. I think yeah. uh, I think a good way of understanding this is we we feel and think a lot of ways towards people or towards a lot of different things and sometimes we have no idea why. Right. So that stuff kind of lies in the unconscious or we sometimes will behave in uh, reflexive ways and really have no idea why we are behaving in those reflexive right. ways so the important part parts is that it, uh, it, it 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 exists entirely outside of our awareness right okay so the id exists only in the unconscious mind so think about this as like a screaming toddler i want what i want when i want it now um then we have the super ego the super ego is kind of our cop component of uh, of the personality so this part of our personality according to freud is concerned with social rules and morals another word for it might be our conscience or our moral compass um, and he said that this superego develops as a child learns what their culture considers right or wrong right so this is a really interesting... We can already see how somebody who isn't a lover of God, isn't a child of God, is diverting away from you know, what we know. We understand morality because we have a standard for morality. God gives us that standard. Right. Freud is placing that burden on society. Right. So he says that you develop your conscience based on what culture says is right or wrong.
0: Right. And this comes from his view of human nature, too, as well. So when you have... Uh, a view of human nature that's completely deterministic, that you're evolutionary by, you know, a, a biological processes, um, then all you have is nature and nurture uh, kind of thing. And uh, your environment plays a big role on that. Um, and that is, you know, that, that's part of the truth uh, because he foregoes the God that made your genes and the God that controls your environment. Right. Um, According so to a Fouy- third factor. Right, yeah.
1: we're cosmic broccoli. We're just yeah. a, we're a product of chance and circumstance rather than a created image bearer. Right so you've got your primitive id and you've got your super cop the the ego so this is the this is the part of the personality that acts as a conscience and then we've got our third component of the self which is probably the one that most people are familiar at least with hearing about and that's the ego so this is the rational practical part of personality um freud said that it was less primitive than the id and Partly exists in both the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. Right. Um, so it, there's it's the lap over component. Right. Um, he, the Freud is, this is what Freud considered to be the self. Like the ego was the self. Um, and its job essentially is to balance the demands of the id and the superego in the practical context of reality. So right. um, I, when I was doing research for this episode, I really enjoyed the example that I read Um, The id is walking down the street and it sees somebody eating an ice cream cone and it wants the ice cream so it just takes the ice cream cone from the individual eating it. The super ego walks right on by the guy eating the ice cream cone because it realizes that it's not his and that he would feel guilty or shameful for stealing the ice cream cone. The ego walks by decides to go into the ice cream shop and buy his own ice cream. Okay, so (laughs) um, it satisfies those, like, primitive physical urges of the id and also satisfies the desire of the superego, which is to maintain morality and avoid guilt and shame. So hopefully that example kind of puts it together. Um,
0: And these all manifest from the id, too, as well. So Freud believed that. Our childhood uh, experiences have great influences in our adult life so if you have that primitive aspect of the id then you're going to have that manifest itself into the ego and obviously right uh, so
1: and, it's exactly so what Nick is saying is that it's imbalances in the system that ultimately ne- lead to what Freud called neuroses yeah okay so neuroses are anything like would be depression anxiety um, Anything that exists with, like that would be related to psychological imbalance. So any disorder you could think of, Freud would consider a neurose. And according to this theory, those only develop out of conflict, like inability to balance conflict between Id, ego and superego. So
0: what does the scripture say about this and who you are within this? Again, going back to the image of God, it says in the scriptures that he made man upright, but he's devised many schemes. He also says that either you're for me or against me. You're either a child of God or an enemy of God. And then the enemy of God has its own context, right? Right. It's a sinful manifestation of the rejection of God that manifests itself in all kinds of ways. If you want to call it the id, fine. We can call it original sin. Sure. Uh, The reason why you want what you want now is because you're prone to covet. Right. You're not... (laughs) you're not peaceful in God you're not secure in his providence that you've given him and I want you to take a look at this if you're if you're listening to this uh, right now is that you do manifest this self uh, uh, this kind of uh, nature in your own life Um, everybody does I want what I want now I want to be healed now I want the miracle now I want them to come now I want to you know I want my money now we even see it on the TV right? right it's my money and I want it now. Have you seen that commercial? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't. Or to...
1: the, like, the, uh, the, the people that are waiting on their insurance payouts, that kind right. of stuff yeah. yeah. I think immediately of anything related to the prosperity gospel, right? right You speak it into existence and it'll be yours. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have six boats and an right. airplane and a 23-bedroom mansion like Joel Olstein.
0: Um, and this is where I would agree with uh, Freud here. there's a lot of stuff in your childhood. That influences your adult life oh of course um, and uh, this is exactly why God says walk with your children by the way teach them word of God have that coming out of your mouth to them all the time because they're going to develop a certain um, logical respect and reverence for God And that he's going to come in there and supernaturally put a fear uh, of the Lord in them. And it's going to be by way—this is what I call natural regeneration. Natural regeneration is you grow up in the church loving Jesus because your parents discipled you properly. Um, And uh, that is what God would say about uh, the primitive atmosphere of man manifesting itself into adult. You have a little leaven. And it leavened the whole lump if it is not tempered by the discipline of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, right. which is the beginning of wisdom. Well, and so. I think
1: that, you know, we can even launch into another conversation from that, that God tells us to be self-controlled and sober-minded and... Um, because we are not supposed to operate in a covetous way right. in, a, in a in a gluttonous yeah. way
0: and, and and notice how god would do that through the family mm-hmm. this is why we're supposed to take care of widows and orphans right when one of them is severed right because of sin right if there was no sin there would be no orphans and there would be no widows true right and so we have to take care of what sin by the righteousness that christ has given us um we have to take care of that imagine a child growing up without a father knowing what we just said now and knowing how our childhood influences our adult lives without that rearing right you get the single mom who's working nine to five busting her butt to try to do everything which is admirable And i'm not saying that the kid will grow up blah 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 but we always we always curse our kids and say well they're high risk because they're impoverished and they don't have a dad and those statistics are there and they're actually showing us something that this is not how god designed people to live no
1: he gave us the structure of the family and the structure of the church for the root for a exactly. very very significant now, reason now,
0: forget about what's in your bank account right here and understand the design in the family we're talking about the image of god that's a design okay so you have two image bearers that come together to be one a man and a wife and they produce another image bearer of god and those two parental image bearers are supposed to construct the kid in a way.
1: It will create arrows for a quiver, right?
0: Grows up into an image bearer that glorifies God in and out of the body.
1: Oh, it's so much pressure. I feel it so personally. Well, you're pregnant right now. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I'm (laughs) thinking about... (laughs) God bless you. (laughs) I'm thinking about... It's a lot of pressure. Right. right? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that tremendous responsibility. The good news is, is that, you know, I... I'm saved by grace through faith and I have an amazing husband and a wonderful church to help me help me do that Um, again living within that the construct of that God's given us you know this is the the family that you know we're gonna hopefully do tons and tons of, of episodes where we talk about the structure of the family and why that's important in the future but you can really see how Freud is dancing around these concepts i yeah. love looking at it because we you know god is very clear about the fact that no no one whenever anyone that stands before him will not be able to deny right. that they knew their creator god god's written this truth in us whether we deny it or not and yeah. so you can see freud talking around this stuff you can yeah. see young talk around it
0: we see many great philosophers do that aristotle socrates always danced around they always almost hid it right but because of the primitive nature of s- original sin right. inside somebody's heart and their pro- uh, proneness to reject the living and true God that they know, for Romans one, right? They always miss fall the short, mark.
1: right? Yeah. Because you just can't, you can't hit it without yeah. Christ. You because the can't. last
0: thing you want to do is admit that you're guilty. <laughs>
1: It would be like the toddler, right? Yeah. The toddler just wants his ice cream. He doesn't care if it belongs I to I always you. say this.
0: Everybody loves Jesus, and everybody loves what the Bible says uh, through the most part until you understand that Jesus is Lord, and he's told you to stop doing what you're doing. Right. <laughs> they,
1: they, they love the concept of that. Like yeah. you, you will see that a lot. I mean, I think I love uh, Vodi um hippie jesus like how he just can't stand this like modern pop culture version of jesus with the long hair and the sandals he's like read revelation that's my jesus Mm -hmm. you know behold uh, he's gonna break you yeah yeah. and uh (laughs) and you know we've got a mighty mighty savior we do not have a meek savior we have a mighty savior um it's it's just really fascinating. Though I, I think everybody on the outside uh, on the outside of Christ looking in would I see why they would fall in love with that kind of hippie flower toting Jesus.
0: Yeah, why not? It Feels yeah, good. It feels good. You get all the dopamine, spicy. It's you want. not really. It's, it's, it's a tremendous defense mechanism yeah. to the, the fact that you have original sin. What would God say about defense mechanisms? And so you're, you're in denial right. about your nature.
1: Denial, one of the primitive defense mechanisms yeah. described by Freud. So.
0: I, and that and that was later on when he, he, he's talking about disembowelment, right? He, yeah. he really didn't talk about disembowelment uh, at first. There was no denying it. You just are who you are. And then it's like, no, I really got to have disembowelment now because if I don't, uh, then I'll never tell somebody that they're actually uh, fooled right? <laughs> uh, and this this is your real self and and it's the uh, it's the self that i'm telling you about nothing that uh, you can uh, uh, conclude on your own
1: right right yeah um i mean if there ever was a narcissist it was it was, Freud. was it was, Freud. It was Freud. <laughs> and it's like
0: you cannot know yourself without a professional psychoanalytic uh, man uh, right. um, uh, really a- at that time it reminds me
1: so much of the catholic church you must have this yeah. like priest to ex- ob- ex- over ex- and like over and above in like jesus's intercession for you <laughs> has got to intercede again yeah it,
0: we can almost call freud an ecclesiastical psychologist
1: <laughs> i love that so much <laughs> he would be so so <laughs> so mad if he yeah anyway he's turning in his grave right now yeah. um okay so we talked about ed ego super ego all of those things come together to form the personality, according to Freud. Um, according to psychoanalytic theory, and you see this all throughout psychodynamics, I mean, all of the later um, the later believers, quote unquote, of this school of thought, uh, relatively agreed with Freud um, here. He thought and argued that personality was essentially developed by age seven. So, All of our early childhood experiences, he didn't talk a ton about uh, pre-birth in the womb, but from birth through seven years were the like prime imprinting, essentially, years for um, psychological makeup um, and disorders. So um, what Freud said was that your id ego superego developed, was shaped through a series of five psychosexual stages maybe we should yeah. have done a disclaimer about what we're about to talk about uh, no it's all good you think it's- trigger warning whatever. yeah trigger <laughs> warning um okay so this is a little bit less known you guys may have heard it you know in school or in passing um but uh we thought it was really important to discuss it with you guys here um again it really it demonstrates freud's depravity. Um, you know, above all, all else. Uh, So he, he developed his psychosexual theory of development. Um, It was five stages. The, I'm just going to run through them really quick. I'm not going to talk about what happens in each stage. because It's really not important.
0: Well, you can tell by the word might, what (laughs) might happen. So we've got five stages,
1: oral, anal, phallic, latency, and genital. Um, All sexually uh, defined stages. So, Uh, a child what he what he said was that a child is presented with a specific conflict between biological drives and social expectations in each stage so this would be a conflict between the id and the superego that the ego has to work out right in the anal stage the conflict is this this is what society says about it this is what the the ego's job is to come together and balance the two out right so this is how the personality develops according to freud so successful navigation of the conflicts in each stage lead to the mastery and development the mastery of each developmental stage and then ultimately it leads to a fully mature personality without neuroses as long as there's no imbalance between the three component parts of the personality so, um, according to freud sexuality is the main driver of human personality development
0: What well, he subsequently called uh, the psychosexual nature of man right yeah.
1: um and we're, we'll talk a little bit more when we get to young about libido um but freud is who coined that term i keep wanting to say couch that term
0: yeah and really freud's concept of the libido uh again disclaimer here if you have uh, uh, small children in the yeah. room you might want to uh, either turn this off or get them out of the room. But the libido comes into the uh, anal stage of yeah. one to three, and it really derives from that person's uh, – that one to three-year-old's pleasure of actually expelling waste from his bottom. Right. Um, and uh, that's why – that that's where the libido starts. There's a pleasure in there, and that's where – Cues him in on um, sexual satisfaction. Right. So sexual satisfaction. Excuse me.
1: (laughs) Right. So, and when we get into Young, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But this is primarily where um, Freud and Young's views began to split with regard to psychoanalytic theory. Uh, Young did not agree with uh, Mm -hmm. Freud's focus on infantile sexuality which is
0: why he was called a heretic by Freud right yeah I
1: love that he used that term
0: well you know it just shows you that uh Freud thought his psychoanalytic uh doctrine was scripture was gospel right
1: he really did he really really did so um that's kind of the in a very very condensed nutshell Freud's psychoanalytic theory his his theory about the development of personality um again we talked about some very interesting terms unique terms um and uh, we want in the future to do a much more in-depth an analysis but um of uh of freud specifically but we wanted to give everybody like a good overview so that we can pull pieces together yeah and
0: you know as an image bearer of god and one who's been saved uh by uh, jesus christ one who's been given a new heart one who knows uh, his God intimately uh, through the process of sanctification, getting no, uh, 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 to uh, getting to know God just more. This is completely uh, what what I hear Freud's concept um, offensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, knowing good- that all the suffering that I've uh, gone through from that early stages to now is completely offensive because I don't remember God pointing out these kinds of stages in my life. I remember Him telling me to repent. Uh, of my sins and for some reason the serenity and the peace um, came in the form of uh, soul satisfaction mm. and I'm still suffering on the outside right
1: <laughs> well it's, it's so I love I love the way that you articulated that um, none of this is important with Christ um, you've got a man Freud who's trying to explain what he inherently understands about human nature without God
0: Without any kind of study whatsoever, right. either,
1: and he and he can't do it. That's why, like, you see components in what he talked about as being, oh yeah, no, I can, I can kind of relate to that, but it never hits the mark.
0: Which means, really, he was having an identity crisis right. of his own.
1: He really was, and the whole point of psychoanalysis. <laughs> was to develop identity i mean
0: uh, could you imagine okay so you're a fallen son of adam you know the true and living god you uh suppress that true and living god in your unrighteousness in the manifestation you get because you need to know who you are and you cannot accept god you've come up with the anal stage
1: right <laughs> and welcome to the anal stage <laughs>
0: Because you sat on the toilet one day and go, hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's really interesting. There's a lot that, like, historically we'll get into about Freud in future episodes. But the, one of Freud's biggest criticisms is his just over infatuation with sex. Um, and you can see it. I mean, he applied it to, like, infants, mm. right? And he made the relief that a, the baby gets from pooping yeah. sexual.
0: And I, I come from a world of speed uh, uh, before Christ. And I go, hmm, I can relate to Freud. Oh, he was on speed, too. Oh, no wonder he was. <laughs> he was just smart and developed, you know, his addiction on paper.
1: Like-minded individuals, yeah. right? Okay, so uh, we talked about Freud. Let's move into Young. Do you think okay. we've hit the Freud points? Sure. Enough? Yeah. Okay, so um, Jung, uh, Carl Jung, Young so spelled J U N G. I've had several professors actually Jung. yeah, Chung pronounced <laughs> yeah. it, you know, correctly. Um, but we're just going to say Young cuz we're American, yes. right? That's um how you do it. Well, and I don't want to butcher it either. So they were friends. They were buddies. Uh, he, Jung was the president of the International Psychoanalytic Association that was formed in the year of our Lord nineteen ten. Um, <laughs> the year of our Lord. The 1910. year of our Lord. Um, <laughs> and at Freud's request, they were buddies. Um, both they were very interested in the unconscious, and we'll talk about how um, Young Nick already touched on this a little bit. How Young split from Freud and his understanding of the the unconscious, um. But they, you know, I think it's important to realize that they were both members of psychoanalytic school of thought. They had similar understandings of personality development. Mm. Um, And it wasn't until 1912 when Young was on a lecture tour in the United States, actually um and he kind of publicly criticized Freud for his overemphasis on the sexual nature of personality development
0: and you can see why i mean when your cocaine habit develops and i'm going to hone on this yeah. cuz i'm really adamant on the fact that freud was a cocaine he was oh he was <laughs> uh and because of that developed more yeah uh, i mean you, you got to keep heightening your addiction what we know about addiction now is it, it it started out simple, he was able to feel pleasure from sex because of Coke, and then all of a sudden it didn't work anymore, and he had to heighten it and the more doctrine he came up with, the better his high was right <laughs> well, I mean and
1: you just feed you know that ego that yeah. narcissistic ego there
0: you so. go ironically
1: ironically um so specifically um, during this lecture tour, Young criticized Freud's Oedipal complex theory um. It's one of my favorites, so yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go over it just for fun. Um, actually, it comes from Greek tragedy. Um, the, the term Oedipo- Oedipus complex comes from Greek tragedy. So Oedipus um, actually means swollen foot. Uh, and what ha- <clears throat> where it comes from, I can't remember the name of the play. I'm drawing a complete blank. The um, um, Odyssey? No, I don't think it was in the Odyssey. All right, sorry. Um, we'll look it up, you guys, you know, if anybody out there knows the specific name of the play, I know, um, I know Oedipus's, uh, his, uh, children, Antigone was one of the Greek tragedies, uh, related to his, one of his daughters, um, but I can't remember the specific play that, that actually outlines Oedipus's, Oedipus's, would that be the plural, <laughs> without possessive, I mean, um, his story, but essentially, he is the son of a king and queen and um his daddy the king goes to an oracle and the oracle tells his daddy that um, your son will kill you and marry your wife well the king doesn't like that very much so he gives his son to i think a, a sheep farmer <laughs> some it's very like snow white in the seven oh, yeah. Dwarves where she gets given to the huntsman so uh gives the baby away to to be killed he, with the strict orders for the baby to be killed Well, the sheep farmer or hunter whoever it is that actually ends up with oedipus takes pity on the baby he's looking at a baby and can't kill it which oh we could dive into yeah, the abortion yeah. talk so quickly from it from there anyway he cannot kill this infant child that he's looking at. What he ends up doing is tying the boy's foot to a post in the ground and leaving him for dead in the desert. Yep. Okay. So swollen foot. He at, Baby Oedipus gets a swollen foot from having his ankle bound to this stake. Okay. Um, so a passerby finds him. Here's the baby crying and finds him and then takes him across the way to another city at where he's raised as a prince. Um, gosh this poor kid right he gets right. dumped by one royal family and picked up by another. Um, so he's raised and he, he, now he's an adult so many years go by and he hears that there is a sphinx I love all this like this like juicy uh, mythology. he hears that there's a sphinx attacking the city of his birth. Although he doesn't know that it's the city of his birth. So he decides that he is going to return to the city to try and defeat the Sphinx. Now, the person that defeats the Sphinx.
0: That's in Thebes. Thebes. Or Thebes, yeah. yeah, Egypt, yeah.
1: Um, So uh, I'm actually not sure if it's the same Sphinx or not. Um, You guys can completely criticize my telling of the story but i'm drawing back from my like first semester in undergrad the yeah this the, is what you first <laughs> learn. yeah there. the details yeah. <laughs> so he's on his way to the city and he ends up killing the king of that city by mistake on the road back i can't remember exactly what happens if it's like a cart accident or egos clashing along the road but he ends up killing his dad he doesn't know it's his dad but he kills him so our first prophecy from the oracle is now fulfilled right He gets to the city and he defeats the Sphinx. So as a reward for defeating the Sphinx, he is allowed to marry the queen, who is his mother, you know, unbeknownst to him. And they end up having four children together. So the Oedipal complex that Freud talks about is an unconscious desire of a son to kill his father and marry his mother. Yeah. That's where it comes from. So um, juicy, right?
0: Oh, yeah. We can always just, you know.
1: Delicious. So, Nick, I got to ask you because I'm not, I'm not a man. Um, have you ever wanted to kill your dad to marry your mom? No,
0: I've never wanted to kill my dad. You don't think or that, that marry my mom lives uh, that unconsciously no. anywhere in you? No. What I will say about that is um, if, let's just, it, there's no problem with liking motherly qualities. Sure. And the only way you can analyze that is if you have a mom. So, oh, she reminds me of my mom. She cooks like my mom. Uh, She could take care of me like my mom kind of thing. I think that is buried in us, and I don't think that is a bad thing. Uh, Well, no, that's
1: God-given. Yeah,
0: wanting to marry my mom is sin. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, That is called incest, uh, and that is um, way before Freud's time as – Condemning such things, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, no, Freud's was a sicko. Uh, it reminds me of uh, what that movie analyze this or analyze that. Oh, I love those <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah. Robert De Niro? Oh,
1: right, right. Billy Crystal like suggests he's sick. Con- he's a sick man. So are he's you. Sick. <laughs>
0: sick. <laughs> um, and he is, and he, I took a, I couldn't talk to my mom for a week. <laughs> I could not look at my mother for a week.
1: <laughs> yeah, <yet. laughs> such a good. I'll have to go back and rewatch those movies. Um, so Young is publicly criticizing this theory which really is it's just kind of like the ice cap on all of his psychosexual theories especially applying them to infants and of course freud would have argued that the oedipal complex develops in childhood and it's something that every male has to overcome this intrinsic unconscious desire to kill their dad and to marry their mom
0: yeah it would um start with the uh, the phallic stage Okay. And the Oedipus complex really is in boys. And then the girls is uh, the electro the electric the complex. Electric complex. Right. So, I don't
1: know the Greek mythology behind that one. Do you?
0: No, it's not really talked about. The electro complex is not really okay. talked about. Nowadays, we develop uh, almost the same thing where girls have an affinity towards their father. So they search after boys just like
1: that. Right. So mm-hmm. it would, like, when, when, uh, when a counselor would, uh, talks about the electro complex, it's just the opposing complex. So in boys, it would be Oedipal. And in girls, it would be Electra. It so, really
0: yeah, has the same effect.
1: So yeah. I'm not... I, the there may or may not be like an actual Greek myth that goes along with it, but the Oedipal, the story of Oedipus is is buried in Greek mythology. That's where Freud got that. I actually don't know that Freud specifically talked about the Electra complex. Of, no, it's
0: just the female version of the Oedipus. Right. Complex. He, I
1: mean, he talked about that existing in women, um, but I'm not sure that he was the one that named it the Electra complex oh, okay. or not.
0: Yeah, me either. Um, we'd have to look. at Yeah, it it's up. a neo-Freudian thing. Is so, it
1: okay? Yeah. Um. So anyway, so again, in women, that would be the unconscious desire to kill their mother and to marry their father. So to kind of go off what Nick said, to identify qualities in your parents that you love or you admire and to look for those qualities in a spouse... I think is totally biblical. Yeah,
0: and that's why parents need to raise their children so they know what to look for. Right. You
1: know. um, now, <laughs> parents that don't raise their children well still get kids that look for those qualities. Yeah.
0: You ever, you know, mom, why did you bring him home? I don't know. He reminds me of dad. Right. So, <laughs> uh, and you,
1: you kind of hear the colloquialism, "Oh, you married your mother." Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of truth in that, um, and we'll have plenty of episodes where we talk about those types of issues and especially how trauma informs those kinds of decisions. Yeah. Uh, But ultimately at, at a baseline knowing that your mom, if your mom was a wonderful nurturer, if she created a safe home, if she supported, you know, biblically, if she was submissive to her husband, when her husband was leading her to Christ, she respected him. If you watch those things happen as a man, wanting those qualities in a wife is a good thing right right it doesn't mean however nick that you want to kill your dad to marry your
0: mom no would you say that is a a, a component in your marriage right now
1: wanting to kill my yeah mom to yeah. marry my dad yeah whatever no.
0: yeah never thought about that It's <laughs> no. not why you married james that's not all. why i
1: married james but james <laughs> a lot of the qualities that james has absolutely remind me of my yeah. dad let's talk about that uh he so my dad is no longer with us um but he was ex- very calm a, like a very calming president president's presence. Um, he eased he always eased my mind. Um, I miss him dearly yeah uh, He he was extremely funny. I, I like to think that I'm funny. I don't know that I am, but I like to think I am. James y- you've would made me to, laugh yes. cool <laughs> good. James would attest to, to the fact that I think I'm hilarious yeah um, he, My dad had this sarcastic, dry wit that i miss tremendously and i see that in james a lot yeah. um
0: how much is that enhanced knowing that james is an image bearer of god and that god actually providentially brought you two together and you still feel that way in your heart it's like oh i see good qualities like my dad um in him too as well which is why an affinity and how god actually maneuvered that in right it
1: I, I gives me
0: goosebumps yeah
1: yeah and it's it's a kind of a neat way to commemorate and memorialize my dad yeah uh, without totally unconsciously without having any conscious awareness that that's what's going on. Yeah,
0: I'm taking notes too as well because this is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Yeah. about that without your dad and without God saying you're going to take care of Robin. She told that. What was your dad's name?
1: My dad's name is Robert.
0: Robert. Okay, so Robert, I'm going to give you the goal and the responsibility of raising, uh, uh, raising Robin. And because of you, she's going to meet James, James.
1: <laughs> oh I'm the clumped you're getting me all the clumped Nick <laughs>
0: yeah well and w- so we're diving into psychology a little bit now this is superficial mm-hmm. and, ben and I can see tears you know mm-hmm. um a little bit just behind the uh, yeah. behind the face and I want to I, I wanted to pull that out but I want to wreck you right now <laughs> but later yes um but that is beautiful and so we have sort of an unconscious uh thing going on because of God's covenants sure if anything that, that is happening that we don't know it, it's because. in Deuteronomy 29 29 it says that the secret things belong to him right stop trying to find that out you'll wreck yourself and you'll come out with you know stages of psychosexuality instead Uh. of trusting in the sovereignty of God this is what why this is so hilarious to look at and go this is, and even Young knew that, but he just developed his own thing. Right. And he,
1: I mean, so Young could look at this and say, hey, this is ridiculous. But because he still was an image bearer, completely denying his, cre- his creator, he came up with another ridiculous explanation for personality development. Right. So,
0: but I just wanted to hone in on that. I think that is beautiful. One of the most beautiful things is that we do see um, our parents' traits in um, people that we love, and especially if you're raised uh, within uh, the church and within the sovereignty of God, uh, the daughter and the son now knows how to look for a godly man. Um, a, and a, yeah, and they're going to remind you know you remind me of my dad, um, you know, uh, in, in a different way, in a right. more healthy way, in, right? In, in, not in um, a sexual way. <laughs> yeah, not an, in you know just a gross incestuous way. No. but I'm talking about qualities. And then you have your own attractions and things like that that you've been developed uh, uh, biologically and spiritually from God. He created us to be sexual beings. And the only thing that Freud got right was that.
1: Right. He just (laughs) applied it really, really young and made it the motivation for behavior development. Which
0: which breathes into Jung's um, acknowledgement of archetypes
1: right so yeah let's move into that a little bit so like freud young believed that past the past and childhood experiences are what determine future behavior but he also placed as kind of a significant emphasis on future aspirations mm. as part of what helps develop personality right. um so we're going to talk about the differences in um how freud and young de- uh defined the unconscious so young would describe the nature of the unconscious as a storehouse of repressed memory. Oh, that's like a whole We could just spiral
0: repressed memory. yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Specific and I... to the individual and their ancestral past. Okay. So that differs from what Freud would call the nature of, or how he would describe the nature of the unconscious as the storehouse of unacceptable repressed memory, repressed desire specific to that individual. So, right. Um, Young very much emphasized and we're going to move into his his definition of the collective unconscious about the the transgenerational the evolutionary concept that all of your ancestors before you assess, essentially help you inherit mm-hmm. your conscious your conscious understanding of the world and and everything in it as well as yourself
0: and there's a small representation of truth in there. Um, God talks about generational curses all the time. Sure. And I think that comes from imputation of sin. We can't say that we're a fallen uh, son of Adam without a little bit of that being true. Um, but it has to do with uh, one's fracture of the, of the heart and soul, uh, which is what a heart of stone is, uh, I believe. Uh, it's just a total depravity of rejection of God, uh, imputed in you from your father. And subsequently, we have the father of all. Creation, which is Adam. Right, acting. right. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so Jung regarded the psyche or the soul, which is specifically what psyche means, um, the self as being made up of three main components, very similar to what Freud described the ego and superego. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Jung decided that it was comprised of the ego, the personal, unconscious, and the collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. So according to Jung, the ego represents the conscious mind as it comprises thoughts, memories, and emotions that a person is aware of, and it's largely responsible for feelings of identity and community. Um, So you can see kind of how that differs from Freud's version of the ego as essentially the component that balances the id and superego. The personal unconscious, unconscious can't speak, contains temporarily forgotten information as well as repressed memory and an important feature of the personal unconscious was something he called complexes so a complex is a collection of thoughts feelings and attitudes that focus on a single concept so the more elements that are attached to a complex the greater the influence it has on the individual um with regard to elements it would be the more memories the more feelings or attitudes that you have. Um, make that complex stronger, which I think makes sense according to his theory. And then you got the major different point of Jung's theory, which is the collective unconscious. Right. So this is a level of the unconscious that is shared with other members of the human race. Mm-hmm. It's comprised from latent memories from our ancestral past and our evolutionary past. Right. So some of the examples that he would have used to describe... Um, the collective unconscious, excuse me, would be something like fear of the dark. Mm-hmm. He would say that that developed from our evolutionary past when we were still living outside of shelter, essentially, and we were at risk from you know, being attacked by things in the night.
0: And really, I would, go, I would boil that down to an unsteady, con, uh, unsteady conscience uh, that we have. Um, because of sin um, in our lives, we are prone to fear everything but right. the Lord. Um, and, uh, you're going to be prone to think like your parents. You're going to have the same sort of biological entity as them. Uh, you, you already look like them and you already have traits like them because you're wired almost like them, even though in your own uh, unique way. So a fear of, if your mom had the fear of the dark. It's not really, you know, uh, such an abnormal idea that you might have uh, a fear of the dark as well. Or you turn off the lights and all of a sudden you're running upstairs, you know. Uh, But that comes from a primitive fear that I would root in sin because you fear what? Uh, Death. I think this is a a death thing. Well, uh, I mean, really all
1: fear. We can kind of get back to that. Um, It's very interesting because this contradicts a lot of the more modern theories with regard to phobia developments as a learned process young here is arguing that it's a like a product of evolutionary experiences right Mm -hmm. um but you but your behaviorists would argue that if you watch your parents have a fear of the dark you might develop that fear right um or if you were left alone in the dark and there were loud noises that scared you you then developed you made an association that it's scary to be in the dark um it's just, well, you know, we'll talk about that later. You know what I'm made sure. me
0: afraid of the dark when I was a kid? What? They showed me Phantom of the Opera when I was in <laughs> kindergarten, and they pulled off that dang mask, and I got frightened.
1: Oh, Nick, little <laughs> And
0: Nicky. every Phantom was under my bed after that <laughs> Because I don't remember having a Fear of the Dark before that. Beware. Of, of that stupid musical. <laughs> I and love And actually, that it's, a, it's a lovely musical. Yeah, I love yes, it now. But when that mask gets pulled off and I go, I remember being so frightened because of I'm this.
1: so glad that you were able to overcome that fear because like, it's some of the best music.
0: Ch- Chucky didn't make me afraid of the dark. The Leprechaun didn't make me afraid the of Phantom the dark. The Phantom did. No thief <laughs> made me afraid of the dark. The fan of the Opera. I
1: mean, he is a sociopath. So if you had made that connection, he murders people. Yeah. yeah. So
0: He wears a mask. He plays a piano. <laughs> He dark. lives in an opera and he kills people
1: <laughs> he's a, i mean because he, people make fun of me <laughs> right because because of my face um no, like, his identity was not rooted in christ oh uh, yeah not at all so one of the big things yeah, mask was cool though so. yeah the mask is cool <laughs> i would wear the mask um one of the big things that uh distinguishes uh young's theory from freud's are is the concept of archetypes so just very basically Archetype types are images and themes which have universal meanings across cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they they kind of show up in dreams, literature, art, religion. Um, a mother nurturing a child kind of has the same implication across cultures.
0: Um, and this is really, I mean, what your environment uh, is bringing into, uh, bringing you into as well. God would point to the uh, the church. Right. Is that? Uh, or we get exhortations in scripture saying Imitate me as an imitate Christ or share with your leaders who taught you uh, in faith and learn from them and submit to them. And uh, and so that your archetype is the community of the church. And you would point to that and you're supposed to expand that into the places that you live. Right. That's right. right. Um,
1: so according to Young, th- these uh, archetypes exic- exist, excuse me, in the collective unconscious. So he had there were many, many archetypes, but he paid special attention to four. So we're going to go over those really quick. The four that he liked the best, that he favorited, were the persona, the anima animus, which is one, the shadow, and then finally the self. Right. So the persona is the mask that we wear, the outward face that an individual presents to the world. It conceals our real self, and it is what he would call the conformity archetype. Right. Um then you've got the anima animus, which is the mirror of our biological sex or the unconscious feminine side in males and the masculine tendencies that exist in women. So for men, it's the anima and for women, it's the animus.
0: Right. And it's almost a reciprocal. You know, it like is if, reciprocal. If masculinity is two fifths, then femininity is five over two.
1: Right. Each sex manifests attitudes and behaviors of the other by virtue of centuries of living together. So again, you can see the strong evolutionary component there. Right. You got the shadow, which is the animal side. It's similar to Freud's id, and it's the source of both our creative and destructive energies. Right. So... Um, and then ultimately you've got the self which provides a sense of unity and experience and the ultimate aim of every individual is to achieve a state of selfhood. again like what we talked about in the first episode um selfhood determined by self yeah and you
0: know it's so it's so dumbfounding how they almost hit on truth in it but it was let's expand a little bit on the shadow sure um, because the shadow is one of the closest things in psychology that you can get to original sin without, um, calling it sin. Right. Uh, but he would never tell you to forego your shadow, but just understand your shadow. Right. God says you need to understand your sin and then stop it then, then <laughs> and and, it. and then die to yourself every right. day and this is what causes identity uh, uh crisis is in us is that when, when when we start accepting our transgressions against the lord and do nothing about it you will have an identity crisis Absolutely. because the way you're designed and we've already talked about that because the way you're designed is not cohesive with the manifestations of sins in your life this is why we see all kinds of turmoil and addictions Right, which the Lord calls idolatry, uh, in process addictions, which is process is a anything but a substance abuse addiction, and it's most of the time behavioral. Right, like if you've seen that show, Strange Addictions, uh-huh. mostly there are process addictions kind right. of thing like that. that it's some substance abuse, like inhaling you know cans of air and things like that. But <laughs> right. like you can call that a substance abuse if you want. Um, but uh, it all comes from that same birth, and the same birth is idolatry. Uh, Yielding to another God takes away your identity.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, and it manifests itself in all kinds of ways. It
1: consumes weird ways. your identity.
0: Consumes right? your identity. So you don't know yourself because of sin. Right. You don't want to know yourself because you don't want to repent of your sin. Uh, and really, overall, it's because of your rejection of God. Right. You you're lose looking, yourself
1: where you're looking for any other explanation because right. you do not want to give up sin. No. Um, that's such a great segue right into our you know discussion of practical application. Um, so so what? As our pastor, Jeff Durbin, would say, so what? What's the so what of it? Um, what does Christ? What does God say about self? He says you die to self. Yeah. Right. So we live in a culture that exploits self, that overemphasizes the importance of self. Um, Know who you are. uh, Be unique. Be wonderful. Um, You know, you do you. I don't remember where that came from.
0: I don't know, but I see the you do you uh, the uh, local commercials for a casino nowadays, which oh, is really cohesive with gambling. You do you—that's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> I'm not condemning gambling. You want to go play the slots, play the slots, but don't do you when you do it. Yeah, <laughs> because you're gonna play that slots a lot.
1: You really will. Um, you
0: idolatrous little person, you.
1: Right. This well, this whole this whole idea, like follow your heart, right, Nick? The the heart is deceitful above you all things. You, you yeah. do you. Um,
0: this is the most important thing uh, in a person's life is to have them preeminent and not Jesus. Right. Which it says in, in, in Colossians chapter one, in the end, that he might be preeminent, that everything was given to him. Everything was created by him, and that in the end, he might be preeminent. preeminent. And then you get billboards that say you do you. Right. And... Uh, Listen, I'm not condemning a casino here. Uh, you want to go and play a card game? I'm not, I, you know, do I'm it not, to the glory of God. Yeah, I'm not right. a you know old school Baptist where you can't do those things <laughs> because of what it might lead to. You know, you need to have responsibility, understand sin, self-control, and not. Yes, right? Right? He give you a spiritual self-control. However, we do know there is process, uh, process addictions, and those process addictions are behavioral idolatries. Mm-hmm. And though that if you start to do you, if you take that seriously and have that as the doctrine of governance, you will make an idol out of that slot machine right. or that card or whatever you want to right or whatever
1: exercise you know not eating dairy you can make an idol out of literally anything anything so created paul
0: paul said this and he's talking to the corinthians and he goes for i delivered to you as of first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures and we have to understand that mm-hmm. in order to understand ourselves uh whatsoever it's christ crucified and that um, it gives you that identity in order to actually know who you are you have to have a heart of flesh that has an affinity towards who tells you who you are
1: right and you what we are crucified with Christ there are so many scriptures that speak to this, you know. So, so what is the practical application of this? Um, how do you die to self, or, or, or you know, where are we? Where are we even getting that from? Um, Galatians 2 20 I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live is the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me right. uh, Luke 9:23. and he said to all if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me luke fourteen thirty three. so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple the message in scripture over and over and over again is that you leave everything and come and mm-hmm. follow christ mm-hmm. you deny yourself you mm-hmm. die to self and you follow christ all those
0: impulses all those things you reconcile it uh, unto the righteousness of christ right. and you leave them right and you don't look back mm-hmm. for anybody that looks back is not fit to work in that kingdom and he's talking about labor on that point and this is why Paul came up with these uh, uh, these scriptures about dying to self 1st um, Corinthians 15 31 I protest brothers by my pride in you and the Greek actually renders that word to be a boasting or to uh, exalt in something but this is what he says I protest brothers by my pride in you or by my boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord so he boasts in Christ and he goes uh, which I have in Christ Jesus, uh, our Lord, I die every day. Right. But notice it's because of the boasting that he has in Christ Jesus regarding the Corinthians that he denies himself for the sake of Christ and others. Right. In order to know yourself, it really has to follow that pattern.
1: Right. It does Because that
0: is righteous pattern mm-hmm. is that if you really want to know about yourself, stop looking towards you right because you can't answer that question no you You wouldn't go to somebody that knows a a lick of math right to do the to learn calculus right you're not going to learn the pythagorean theorem from an english major right right but what you would do is you can learn you by following the one who created you and he says to love him and to love your neighbor right uh to do that now what's that to say if you actually are depressed or hate yourself Right. And that's a concentration more on self than it is others. You oh, work well, that. And
1: more than it is on Christ. Um, and we don't want anybody to feel hopeless. We realize that this is really a huge topic. And what we're essentially telling you to do if you struggle with issues of identity is to quit focusing on yourself and start mm-hmm. focusing on jesus and start
0: focusing on christ now easier said than done right right a lot of people struggle with this for sure right uh let's say uh you know you get a baby christian and i'm speaking new here yeah. because if you're outside of christ repent of your sins and follow him i promise you he will change you and he will give you the peace that you're looking for as far as your soul well and the power
1: to change that we're talking about to affect the change that we're talking about but
0: you're with christ and you're experiencing mads amount of depression which mm-hmm. can happen if you look at the uh you know uh fathers of the reformation sure they struggled with a lot spurgeon struggled with a lot bainard uh, uh brenard uh struggled with a lot his diary is full of uh, of things uh, uh regarding depression and his only delight was jesus That he didn't even take in the environment around him to be uh, something to rejoice in because he just had nothing.
1: His only joy was found in Christ. It was
0: only joy was found in Christ. And that's what kept him going was the fear of the Lord that keeps you upright. So how do you love your neighbor if you can't really delight in what God has given you uh, in your environment and yourself? Kind of thing like that. And what do you do? And this is what I love Martin Lloyd-Jones martin lloyd uh, jones says uh, he's got a book called spiritual depression there's a lot of chapters in this book but the main component to every single person that he dealt with struggling with depression um, and he called it spiritual depression was their lack of understanding of justification by faith mm-hmm. is that you f- have failed or you failed to bring in the concept of salvation mm-hmm. and what he actually saved you from right and it's you he saved you from mm-hmm. it's he saved you from, from you, from yourself, yeah, and right? from the wrath of God. Yeah, for Himself. Right. So, he saved
1: you from yourself, which is what incited the wrath of God.
0: Depression testifies to the fact that our own heart condemns us, right? And uh, and uh, and so when you are depressed, and I'm not saying that uh, this is a bad thing. You're depressed, you must be sinning. Though I'm going to ask you that because a lot of our sin will cause depression. Absolutely, it will. but it's a failure to obtain the peace in Christ and uh, the. Um, Um, complacency that we should have in that and we should have a holy discontentment in that but we need to be complacent as far as our justification which is why in 2nd Peter when you see in 2nd Peter 1 he actually says to strive to confirm your election by applying particular attributes to you and so this is not gonna happen overnight you know a godly sorrow leads to repentance and a mortification uh, of sin leads to a uh, sanctifying aspect to be conformed to the image of Christ and even if you're depressed there is a joy available right right and so that's what we want to obtain that joy available is to know that you are justified right and though you know don't feel worthy realize that you're not right and that it's okay if you're not because he is and he loves you
1: so So. we, we, we you know we can talk about all sorts of amazing wonderful things here god's promises to us the truth that's revealed to us in scripture but i think down very foundationally If you are struggling with issues of identity, quit focusing on yourself and start focusing on Jesus. Yeah. Go talk to your pastors. If you've got friends in the church that you can trust, get into accountability with them and discuss what's going on. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. to stay in your sin when you expose what's going on. And
0: be ready to disregard yourself in the conversation. Don't get discouraged because sins might be pointed out in your life that you need to repent right for a godly sorrow and a godly cutting yeah will lead to your repentance and you will and it, healing yeah it will lead to salvation with no regrets right. i guarantee you and though you may be experienced remnants of that and i'll break it down and i guess we'll end with this When I came to Christ, extremely depressed, uh, and I had more bad days than good days. And then that all, uh, you know, just worshiping God and uh, asking God, I don't want to waste my depression. I want to learn. Sometimes I don't want to get out of bed, but I know I have to. And depressed people really don't say that. So there was already healing uh, going on. I was feeling depression, but I had this motivation to pursue the Lord. But I had more bad days than good days. I would wake up, and it would hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't even know what was going on. What's going on with me, right? What's going on? And I'd have more bad days than good days. Then that slowly progressed to, I'm having 50-50. Sure. Right? Right? 3.5 days out of the week. It's bad the other 3.5 it's okay good. then it slowly progressed and then i have more bad good days than bad days and then in that that's the human condition right yeah. there is that you have more good days than bad days um as far as my depression is concerned but that slowly digress uh, progressed now notice that i said i do have bad days now what do my bad days look like what did i have an affinity towards last time right. where where all have i been in my life that I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember my past sin. There's not a day that goes by where I don't know that I did drugs, where I don't know that I was promiscuous. And um, in all kinds of ways, fill in the blank, I did it. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to shake. But then what I delight in, I was like, Andy saved me. Andy saved
1: me. Andy saved me.
0: And I have a future hope. And though I may be tortured today, and I may be slayed. And, and he's subsequently doing that to me. I will praise his name because I have hope. And, and now I have more good days than bad days. Mm-hmm. He slowly healed me. But I'm not going to say that I don't struggle with depression. Right. I do. I have that. It's in me. And it might be in me for the rest of my life. Um, if, it, if it is taken all away, praise his name. If it is left there. And i wake up and it hits me like a ton of bricks to get i still know that it is well with my soul that's what you want out of depression don't ask for it to go away ask for it to be well with your soul and i guarantee you a lot of the depression that you're experiencing is in your mind i'm not talking about biologically it is in your mind right and you can get rid of it you can get out of it and there's practical ways and spiritual ways We need both we need both the physical ways to get out of it and the spiritual ways to get out of it That's why we labor within the Lord and we suffer all things for the sake of the elect Go into your church get involved into your church learn from your elders repent of your sins Know how much you've transgressed against the Lord and how much grace is offered for you on the cross, right?
1: what you deserve versus what's been offered to you freely that's
0: the message christ crucified Mm -hmm. gives you the joy in your troubles notice that you will have joy and have troubles i didn't say Christ crucified takes away your troubles.
1: No, no. In fact, it brings a lot more. <laughs> it
0: brings a lot more. Now, in that baby stage, we feel like we're being rocked and yeah. like every, you know, we're on cloud nine, Jesus is love, and it's all true. And then all of a sudden, why is this happening to me? Right. Read the Psalms. Yes. Because every psalmist experienced that. Yeah. And he told you how to handle that. And it always capped off with, but I will praise your name.
1: But I will praise your name. Right. Yeah. Yeah, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Um, yeah. We are going to do. I know we've talked a lot about all the future episodes we're going to do. We're definitely going to spend a lot of time discussing depression and anxiety. A lot of like very practical tips, things that you can do to help what Nick was talking about, both physical and spiritual. But what we want you guys to take away from this is deny what the current culture says to you about self. Do not seek self, seek Christ, die to self, go talk to your pastors, talk to your friends in the church, get support. Um, quit focusing on you and start focusing on Jesus
0: yeah and you will obtain the things that the Lord is provided for you the things that you need you will understand self if you understand God and uh, you will understand love if you understand who love is and notice I equivocated uh, personal pronoun It's a hymn. It's Jesus. Uh, When you obtain that, you obtain everything you need, and that's Matthew 6.33, and I'll leave you with this. If you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, his kingdom is at hand. His righteousness is his life, and he gives it to you. If you pursue that, if you seek that first, please seek that first. Forgo everything else. Seek it first, and I guarantee you the things that your mind needs according to your design will be given to you.
1: Absolutely, amen, brother. All, All right. right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time um, on our, our next episode of Couched.
0: Bye bye. <laughs>